Hey, Maddie. Who whacked the pesto in the head? The right hemisphere of the brain's finally working. King. Put this gun in your mouth and pull the trigger. Aren't you gonna make me dig my own grave first? Welcome to the show, Moonlighting fans. Whether you're a Moonlighting fan from way back when, or whether you are new to Moonlighting and you want to know what all the hype is about, you have come to the right place. Hi, I'm Grace. And I'm Shauna. And we're your hosts for the podcast that is all about Moonlighting. When we talk about Moonlighting, we're talking about the Emmy award-winning 80s TV series starring Bruce Willis and Simple Shepherd. So if you're a fan of theirs, you're going to want to stay tuned as we review all 66 episodes. We hope you enjoy this journey with us because we are going to be watching the series episodes one by one and discussing them every week. Now, this is going to take several years, as you can imagine. So please join us because we are going to have so much fun along the way. We will also be releasing bonus episodes of interviews with creators, cast and crew to extend your listening experience. That's right. And we really want to include our Moonlighting fans in this project as much as possible. So write to us and let us know what your thoughts are. And even if you have some trivia to disclose, our email address is fans at moonlightingthepodcast.com. And we will include you in our future episodes. So stay with us. Shauna and I are beyond excited to finally bring Moonlighting into the 21st century for some serious discussions. You up for it, Shauna? I sure am. Well, let's let's get get started. Now, let me ask you a question about the plot, Grace. (laughs) Okay. Now, from what we know at the end, (laughs) this seems to be a plot in Moonlighting a lot. Basically, there's a couple that we see, all right? Obviously, this woman is not depressed and suicidal as described. But, of course, that's what they wanted the priest to believe. So, these two people making love. That man's wife has been killed, right? And this is his lover that he wants to be with. But they've acted like his wife was the one visiting the priest and that she's suicidal and stuff like that. Like they're trying to play it off that his wife committed suicide. Right. Okay. So someone is dead, but it's not this woman. Right. Yeah. This is another spot where the plot doesn't make sense because if you do this in chronological order, the wife's not dead yet. Really? Therefore, where is she? Because they're in her house. So how does that work? Yes. That's what I'm confused about. Maybe they have her in the basement. (laughs) Wow. They're really cold people if they can like just freely, you know. Because it was definitely the girlfriend that was going to see the priest. So that's fine. But the fact that it hasn't been mentioned yet that the wife's dead, I'm just going in chronological order. She's not dead yet, yet they're at the house and he's with his girlfriend. So where's the wife? Yes. I don't get that. And the Adamsons are him and his wife, not her. But right now they think that she's Mrs. Adamson. Yes, they think that's her. Okay. Yeah. Got it. It must have been a late night for Bruce and Sybil that night. Yeah, I guess so. I wonder what time they were filming that. Because sometimes it gets dark really late. In Los Angeles, yeah. When is this filmed? This was November? November 86. Yeah. Okay. All right. So... That time of year would be getting dark earlier, but still late night, like you said, you know. All right. So our rotten husband is Richard Boehmer, and you would all recognize him, as I said before, from 
1961 film West Side Story. He played Tony. He was also in The Longest Day in 1962, The Interview in 1973, and he did 30 episodes of Twin Peaks. Scott Ryan will be happy about that. Oh, wow. He did several episodes of Murder, She Wrote, too, which I always remember him in. An interesting bit of trivia about him, he hated his performance in West Side Story and left the London premiere halfway through of the film screening before he could be presented to Queen Elizabeth II. Really? He did not like his performance at all. He's also got editor credits, cinematographer credits. He's been a director. He was nominated twice in 1962 for a Golden Globe for Best Actor in a Comedy Slash Musical and also for Most Promising Newcomer Slash Male for West Side Story. So that's Richard Boehmer. I like it. All right. The next scene, we have Maddie's feet out of the elevator. Yeah. That's nice to see, huh? We were surprised, weren't we? We thought it started earlier in the seasons, but it really takes off in season three. Yeah. And four, kind of, when she's around to do that. So when was the first, do we remember, first feet out of the elevator? Was that? um... I will tell you. Okay. There was two feet out of the elevator in the pilot. The next one wasn't until Brother Can You Spare a Blonde? There was one in The Iron Mask. Agnes does one in Money Talks. There was one in Knowing Her, Portrait of Maddie. There were two in Atlas Belched, one in Twas the Episode Before Christmas, and we didn't get another one until Funeral for a Doornail, then Camille. We had two in The Sun Also Rises and one in Symphony and one in Yours Very Deadly. And that's it. So, okay. I mean, it's definitely something that's been there um, since the very beginning. Um, I wonder if the story that goes along with the um, the feat is often that it was something to do to kill time while Sybil got ready. So I wonder if they did more of that in season three, maybe, because season three, I know, was more fraught with trouble behind the scenes. We'll find out. (laughs) Yeah, let's find out. Anyway, yes, feet out of the elevator. Very cool. It's very classic. Maddie comes in and David's waiting for her in her office, which he does a handful of times. A handful of times in the series, he's sitting in her chair. Yeah. Maddie walks in, asks Agnes to tell Mr. Addison that she would like to see him, but poor Agnes doesn't have the chance to tell her. Hang on. He's already in your office. Yes. Now, when Maddie comes in the office, is she looking in the right direction, Grace? (laughs) There's actually a lot of that in this episode, people not looking in the right place. This particular scene, I did not notice that. She's looking like out the window, kind of. If she was coming in her office and David was sitting behind the desk, she would be looking like straight, you know, but she's looking to the right. She's like looking off to the side, in my view looking way to the right she's not looking like straight at david who's sitting behind her desk yeah you're right where did she think he was going to be sitting even if nobody's sitting in that chair you're going to look at the chair but maybe it said david's waiting in her office or something and maybe they didn't specify like and then maybe they just filmed bruce like sitting in her chair oh so maybe she wasn't quite sure where he was going to be because she's looking over towards her couch kind of you know yeah she's actually looking at the corner of the office yeah and he's Kind of not looking at her either. <laughs> yeah, but that doesn't make sense because in the next cut, she walks over mm-hmm. to him at the desk. Yeah. 
unless a previous cut was done on a different day and she didn't know where he was going to be sitting. That could be possible. Hang on, I'm just watching something. Hang on. Okay. No, it looks like the same day to me because her hair's the same. Anyway, doesn't matter. Good pickup, Shauna. Like it. I like it. I love him. He's got his feet up on her desk a lot in this episode, you know, during the pizza eating scene as, you know, feet were up on the other side and now he's sitting there with his feet up on, mm. on her desk. What's David telling Maddie? <laughs> it's funny. First of all, I think he's come in early to make sure that Maddie doesn't contact the priest about what they've just found out. Just the person I'm looking Thank for. You know what makes no sense? What are you doing in here? Wrong men. But hey, that's the way God planned it, right? <laughs> Cheeky boy. In most episodes, he has a revelation like he did in Yours Very Deadly about mm-hmm. you know, the other crooked husband where he planted a seed. Indeed. Um, Indeed. So he goes, you know what else doesn't make sense? The fact that Father McDonovan thinks this woman is desperate and suicidal when an idiot can see she's happy. David mm-hmm. smells a rat. Yeah. And he stops Maddie from ringing the priest. Clearly yes. the body double, by the way. Mm-hmm. Maddie says, look, we've found the woman just like he asks. And this is when David says very sternly, but she's married. So he's bringing out his beliefs again. Oh, are you suggesting we lie to a priest? You, St. David? I know. So he's not happy with it because he believes that this priest is going to break up a marriage and we're going to help him. But Maddie believes that once they tell the priest, he'll move on and it'll be business as usual. But David thinks otherwise. Yeah, they're both two very different places with this case. Yeah, Like we said before, David is really taking it personal. Maddie's just seeing it as a case. Yeah, We get filter on Sybil here, very much the whole moonlighting. You know, when you see David, there's no filter and it's that hazy Maddie filter. But I have more to say about that. But probably starting the next scene kind of starts here. But Maddie wins again. He's our client and we owe him the truth. And then we go to a car scene. So, Grace, I may have mentioned before, I have very specific (laughs) views (laughs) on Maddie and David's, or Sybil and Bruce, I should say, their attractiveness (laughs) during the seasons, Mm -hmm. okay? Level of attractiveness to me. This episode right here, I have pinpointed it to very moments, okay? To me, Sybil, I'll just say Sybil, is like, Peak, 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 top, top, top beauty. She's hit her peak beauty of her moonlighting period in this episode. (laughs) Specifically here, like right when we get to like this scene in the car, the white suit, how her hair is. Her hair needs to stay like this. And it kind of does. They go a little curly, a little bit curly and big man and stuff like that. But um, for the most part, it does now kind of stay this more relaxed style. But I mean, Sybil's gorgeous. We say it all the time. She's gorgeous in so many episodes. I mean, you know, there are different moments, you know, where her looks, you know, I mean, come on, like dream sequence and my fair David. I'm just saying like Sybil herself just looks like she's really hit her stride in life. I just think she looks so gorgeous. I just love the way that she looks in this specific episode and it kind of continues to the end of the season. But I have a different point for Bruce, but we have not reached that point yet. But in my view of her from the beginning of Moonlighting to fifth season, this is peak. Hmm, interesting that you chose this episode. I, I would have I would have started possibly from at least yours very deadly or or even Symphony. Because I really I don't like her. how she looked in those two episodes. But to me, her hair, it's the hair. 
And it gets flatter in this episode. But see, I like that. Yeah, I like that too. Because when they do it all buffy, that's just crazy. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. look at Sybil here, car scene, she's driving. Yeah, I'm watching it. Yeah. Yeah. Hair is perfect, right? It has that little yeah. cute flip on yeah. the side, wave that kind of flips up. And then, yeah, just nicely curled, very softly curled and straight, straight but curled, right? Yes. It's more of a relaxed style. I like it. It just looks so good. And then like her cheekbones, her face, her makeup, her style, her figure. I don't know. Just everything from here, you know, these scenes now, like when they go visit the priest and then when she's in the confessional, that like so gorgeous. I mean, to me, this is like, she's hit her peak. And I know I get very specific about like the timing of it all. But of course, like I said, there's moments throughout the series where she's gorgeous. I mean, she's gorgeous. There's no doubt. To me though, she's hit her stride. She's firing on all cylinders here. Yeah, you're right. This period of time, she's definitely at her peak. She looks fit. She looks beautiful. She looks relaxed. I don't know if she was, but looks like it. Yeah, I agree. She looks good. I often compare her facial features to the last season and it doesn't seem like it's the same person. You know, it's It's amazing. Like it blows my mind how much someone can change in like two years Mm. to the point, I hate to say it, where they... They didn't really even go together anymore. And like right now here, she's like out of his league, you know, still. It started out like the pilot. Here, she's still out of his league, you know? Yep. And that's why she's still a bit unattainable for him. And that's kind of like a lot of the crux of the show. Mm. But season five, there were reasons because poor Sybil, she had twins. She was exhausted and lots of things were going on and um, it was just a different time. But Right here in this moment, she's, yeah. And I mean, Moonlighting in general, I mean, they've hit their stride as well. Like all of these shows are so well done. We can tell that there's more money put into the episodes. And But there's a lot of trouble behind the scenes here, you know? I was listening to a commentary the other day. I think it was a trip to the moon commentary with Glenn and Bruce. And Glenn was just saying, like, it was so difficult. There was so much trouble mm. during this year. We, we couldn't possibly imagine you know. Yeah, there, there was so much going on. And, you know, we can see it sometimes in the editing or the way things are pieced together and stuff like that. Or, but anyway. Or if Bruce is, this is where, Yeah, Bruce being hungover, the way they look sometimes or whatever. But yes, this is what I've pinpointed it. This is Sybil's peak right here. And like I said, it's not my peak for David. And I'm sure everyone has different views on this and people can let us know where that is. Do you have a line like that, Grace? Do you have a, a point in the series where you think um, each of them maybe look like their best? Yeah, I just thought dream sequence. Yeah, but that's a, like a particular because of the lighting, because of the hair, because of the style. I mean, yeah, I agree with you. They both look amazing. I just think of that as like a different thing. I don't know if you ever thought about it. I haven't really thought about when they really peaked. I'm just thinking about the episodes. But in general, I always thought season three was when they really peaked and looked great and there was more time spent on on production and, you know, her makeup and the hair and all that sort of thing. And he looked fabulous. But I haven't pinpointed a specific time or episode. So when do you think Bruce looked his best? Because, you know, we start out you know, kind of goofy and we oh, end yeah. up. Yeah, he starts out goofy, absolutely. Um, do you think in the life of the series, because I know when I think, but do you have a a thought like when a moment where you thought he looked where Bruce looks the best I reckon it's the first half of season three okay so like now yeah pretty much 
because for me, it is season four, like Ika Spouse. Bruce looks so good. Slightly past Die Hard. Well, he's probably fit as well because he had to work out for that role. So yeah, that episode in particular, Ika Spouse, he just looks so good. You know, just yeah, fit, kind of same, like healthy, handsome. And I like his body now. It's not even that I wanted more muscle on him or anything like that. I mean, I agree with you. I think season three, they both look great. You know, I think he looks amazing here, especially him looking over those glasses and all that. I love it. <laughs> I mean, he's hot as hell. Get me wrong. Do not get me wrong, Grace. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not getting you wrong. Don't worry. <laughs> I'm not taking anything away from uh, Bruce season three. But uh, yes, I just think there's moments in time for me. And I would love to hear from others' opinions on this, where they really look great. And I know there are different moments, like I said, but yeah, for me, Sybil, this episode, Bruce, season four. You've sort of put me on the spot because I can't pinpoint. I'd have to go and watch the episodes and then tell you. I'll let you know. You can tell us in a future episode, Grace. No rush. Had to mention it here because this is my peak for Sybil, Sybil, and something else to say later. But uh, (laughs) lots to say, Grace. Anyway, now we have a car talk. It's funny, I noticed that they have the windows down. I guess that didn't mess with sound or anything. The wind coming through the windows is kind of blowing their hair around and stuff, you know? Yeah, and she's adjusting her hair and... Yeah, she's kind of pushing it from her face. And Yeah, I love this talk, though. Whoa, ho, 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 ho. What ho, 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 ho. Now we're really getting, you know, deep into it. We're talking about religion. We're talking about her going to therapy. Very interesting. Yes. Yeah. Their continued discussion about religion. He calls her a heathen and an infidel. Maddie yeah. doesn't believe in any supreme being. Tell me the world uh-huh. is a better place because of religion. The world mm-hmm. is a better place because of religion. And then Maddie, of course, has to mention the Salem witch trials and the Spanish Inquisition. I love it when he does that. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I love that. I love her response too. What? (laughs) It's awesome. Great banter. So David tries to convince her that there are wonderful things out there because of religion. Name one. Christmas. Christmas? You name me one person who doesn't love Christmas. Hell, I still got Jewish friends that are bent out of shape because their ancestors didn't think of it first. (laughs) I love how he says hell at the start of that sentence. Yeah, true. Oh, poor Maddie. Maddie believes that they are not having a serious discussion, but he is very serious about the content of their discussion because the church has enriched his life immeasurably and that there Mm. are many things he loves about the church. Right. Catholic schoolgirls and plaid skirts and knee socks. (laughs) I think she's right about that. (laughs) (laughs) So then they start talking about confession. Take confession. He says it again, Shauna. He goes, I mean, is this a great invention or what? Yeah, you're right. You go in, you sit down, you talk to your priest, you tell them anything, your fears, your secrets, your transgressions. And when you walk out, you're totally forgiven. And she goes, just like Mm -hmm. that, just like that, the way of the world, lift it off your shoulders. But Mm. Maddie thinks that sounds way too easy. David is shocked by this because (laughs) he doesn't believe that it's easy. It's true. In a way, telling someone the most intimate details of your life, and Mm -hmm. as he says, admitting your failures, your weaknesses, getting down on your knees and begging for forgiveness, you think that's easy? When was the last time you were in a confessional? I've never been in a confessional. Well, then before you go casting aspersions about somebody else's religion, you ought to try one on for size. So this is where we find out that she sees somebody. Yep. A professional. 
Ho, 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 ho. <laughs> He's surprised by this. What, what did he say? $75 an hour? Spalding doesn't have a racket that good. <laughs> but did he say 75? Like, that would be cheap these days. $75 an hour? Oh, my God. No, no, I mean, no. He says a 45-minute hour. Oh, a 45-minute hour. In other words, I charge for an hour, but you're only there 45 minutes. <laughs> Right. A 45-minute hour, Spalding doesn't have a racket that good. He's really anti-therapy, isn't he, here? But you know what gets me? He says to her, you're going to pay money to lay on some shrink's couch so he can look up your dress? Hang on. You looked up her dress in the pilot, mate. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, pot kettle. Very judgmental about how other people live their lives. But David, he's no saint. Yep, double standards, mate. Yep. Now he's digging, he's digging, and she doesn't want to talk about it, which is understandable when you're seeing a psychiatrist or a psychologist. You don't really want to tell anybody that you are seeing them or the content of that discussion. So he's really getting right in there wanting to know how often she goes, once a week, twice a week. No, she doesn't go anymore. Oh, you don't go anymore? You graduated? Dr. Ruth gave you a diploma? (laughs) Oh, and Dr. Ruth was in a clip in Camille. Camille was watching Dr. Ruth uh, in her hotel room. That's right. Yes. So she's brought up again. David finally gets out of her what it was that made her decide not to go back. It wasn't anything Mm. she said. It was a sound. Mm -hmm. So apparently they were in the middle of a session where Maddie was telling her that she lost her. Lost her what? When she lost her virginity. But that must have been a long time ago when she saw this. (laughs) Yeah, unless it's a story to be told later. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Apparently this woman fell asleep. She was snoring, mm-hmm. Shauna. Must have been with Sam. Boring. <laughs> <laughs> and this is where Bruce dips his glasses down and looks at the camera. Love it. This would Classic. never have happened in confession, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's such good dialogue, this scene. Really good. I love this car talk. It's great. I love it. I love the back and forth. I love what we discover about each of them. Therapy, reviews, religion, therapy, how to absolve yourself, I guess. I mean, the different ways that people do talking to therapy as opposed to like confessing. And it really is inclusive to the audience, really, because people have different views about both of those things. Mm. Yeah, it covers both sides of it. And um, he's just given her a lecture about everything but she's taking it she's not biting yeah. back you know she's taking his information on board i think it's a discussion yeah. yeah he's not totally respecting her you know you're an infidel you're he's throwing some cheap shots but yeah i feel like she's being more receptive to it in fact we know she is because she decides to try a confessional in a scene right. or two she's kind of taking what he says like you said it got a lot out in a small amount of time it's not a really long scene There's a lot of information that comes out between the both of them, how they're feeling and their beliefs and everything. And a few references come up as well. And and the fourth wall's broken. So, yeah, I like this scene. I agree. Nice car scene. Then we are at the rectory at the priest's humble abode. And he goes to give them their fee. And he said he'll pay the rest once he gets a job. But Mm. Maddie tells him that she's married. And boy, does she get a look from David. Oh, my gosh. David's just standing there with his arms folded. He looks so mad. If looks could kill. 
I know David's face is like as angry as he's been. He's really giving mad. her some filthy looks. And she keeps kind of looking at him like, what? <laughs> you know, it's such great acting because he's angry, clearly. She's trying to deal with the client, but also, you know, her body language is kind of looking at David and stuff like, what? Why are you so mad? Or why are you blaming me? I don't know why, but she's oblivious. But she should know that he told her that he didn't want her to tell him that the woman was married. That's true. I like it when he's yelling at the priest and she tries to stop him. Yes. And he like shakes her off. And, and he like, goes hey, right off. He goes right off at the priest. Yes. And yeah, he, goes, he goes right off at him because, first of all, the priest wasn't expecting this and he sat down. So David's curious. He goes, what are you going to do? But the priest didn't give him an answer he wanted. <laughs> right? Yeah. And you're a priest. You want to break your vows? That's between you and the man at the top of the stairs. But using a confessional to steamroll a marriage and then using us to do the legwork. Yeah. So in between this, this is where Maddie is trying to stop him from speaking his mind. David says, that's great. Good way to get struck by lightning, Padre. <laughs> a little foreshadowing. Which is, which is foreshadowing. But it's funny how he calls him Padre because that's what Maddie's dad called him in um, Every Daughter's Father. That's true. And for once, David won't take the money and Maddie's kind of looking at the check like she kind of wants to take it, but knows David will be really, really angry if she does. So she's just yeah, like, Yeah, what's mm, that no. about? That's role reversal again. I uh, know. Yeah, that's true. Father McDonovan explains that he needs time to think, but married or not, he knows he can help her. And I love the sound yep. of the crackling old chair he's sitting in too. <laughs> yeah. Maddie has a big handbag with her, by the way. Yeah, it's a huge clutch. What does she need to put in there? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> what does she have in there? A brush full of hair and some petrified gum? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> you can now go to coffee.com slash moonlighting the podcast. That's ko-fi.com slash moonlighting the podcast and buy yourself a door slam. Yes, that's right, a door slam. Some devoted Moonlighting fans have contacted us since we began this project to find out how they can support us. As you are well aware, Shauna and I do this with great joy and we have so much fun creating this podcast every week and interacting with you guys on social media and via our fans at moonlightingthepodcast.com email. So we would be ever so grateful for any small donation that you can make. Maddie would be proud. So the priest tries to give him the envelope again with the fee, but David says, put it in the poor box. And you're right, mm -hmm. Maddie stays a little and looks at him. She sort of stays there and looks at him and looks at the envelope. And I don't know, she always seems impressed by the priest and smiles when she sees him. So anyway, yeah. so that was another yeah. dark scene. David's taking it so personally, mm. you know. Yes. Yeah. All right. They walk into the church and then we've got a really, really wide shot from the very back and we just kind of see them walk in front of the altar and David is clapping, you know, very sardonically towards Maddie and, you know, you know they do a close up and his face just looks so angry again and, and he's just really angry at Maddie now about this whole thing. First of all, I don't think it's a very nice thing to be clapping in a church, but anyway, that's just me. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, he's really angry. And honestly, when Bruce is angry, I wouldn't want to be there to be taking his wrath because he mm -hmm. opens his eyes that wide mm. that he looks and scary. Sticks, he kind of like pushes his jaw out and yeah, widens his eyes. He looks really mad. He's telling her, 
I warned you, but you didn't listen. We had a chance to deliver that man from evil, but no, you had to lead him into temptation. Yeah, good lines. You had to have everything your way. Come on, let's get back to the car before it starts a brimstone. <laughs> so Please brimstone, yeah, brimstone is um, associated with, you know, fire and brimstone, which is a biblical expression of God's wrath. So he thinks he's going to get locusts and God's wrath and everything's going to be terrible and... That's what he's expecting, apparently. And Maddie's like, I didn't know we were getting involved with someone who was capable of adultery. He's like, because you don't listen. I think that's true. Maddie, like, Maddie wasn't listening. He's kind of acting like Maddie acts like she knows everything all the time and like never listens, which I guess could be true. I don't know. Yeah, you in some, certain circumstances, I think it's true. But I think she was listening, but she's looking at it from a business point of view. And he's gotten very wrapped up personally in this. But you're right. I really love that beautiful wide shot of the church from the front. The camera's at the front of the church. I love that. Yeah. And still we get so much filter on Maddie here. David's so clear and she has a Vaseline smear. They really highlight the beauty of this church. When David is uh, walking away, and walks directly into the camera and like past it. It's really great. Great wide shots. We're with Atomic, like we were saying earlier. It's like they filmed kind of in half the church. It's not wide shots in Atomic. It's very close, you know, or like the angle is different. But yeah, yeah you can see that's the same church from different markings and things like that. But yeah, and they really um, highlighted the beauty and the, the richness and the wideness and tallness of the church. <laughs> All the angles of the church in this one. Definitely on my list. I definitely want to visit that church. It's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Now, <laughs> yeah. okay, first of all, why am I wasting this on you? You know everything, right? So he walks away from her, and that's when you see that lovely wide shot. And she asks where he's going, and he says he's going back to the office. But I have the keys to the car. And he says he'll take a cab. So he walks out. We're always wondering, like, well, how did he get there and here and there? But see, yeah, he takes cabs, right? Yeah, that's been explained finally. Finally. <laughs> <laughs> mm. So yeah. the Father McDonovan music begins. I love how everybody yes. has their own music. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, as Maddie stands there at the altar and looks around the church and she sees mm-hmm. an old lady walk out of the confessional mm-hmm. um, and then decides to go in. Mm-hmm. Now, first of all, that's good timing because she's there at the right time because it's not something that happens all day. You have to be there at the right yeah. time. The cuts of Sybil, the wide shot, her standing there, she's looking very kind of almost childlike or something, you know, like David's kind of left her there, right? She's just standing there alone. And she looks up at like Jesus on the cross and then they have a close up. And then, I don't know, she just looks so gorgeous. I I just love, they're taking their time and they really highlight her taking all of this in, right? And part of that is what David has said to her, you know, just all of these shots of her just so nice and just looks so gorgeous, you know? Beautiful close-ups of her looking around the church. However, Shauna, she's looking in the wrong direction. (laughs) She's actually facing the back of the church, but she's looking at the altar and, yeah, it's all out of whack, but it doesn't matter. I mean, they're just showing the beautiful statues and intricate of the church. I think they're showing the church more than, like, to say that is Maddie looking directly at this or not. You know, I don't know. Mm. But they're just kind of showing the altar and Jesus on the cross and her. Her kind of taking it in because, you know, obviously she doesn't have a history with religion. And she probably Very finds it warming, um, imposing. She's looking around and thinking, oh, okay. And she's probably yeah. feeling feeling a little bit different by actually being inside the church. 
Yeah, it's kind of peaceful, kind of quiet. She's kind of looking around. She's just there by herself and figures. Mm. Well, David said things would be different in, in a confessional. Why don't I give it a try? So she does. Yep. So she steps inside and sits down. The only thing, any confessional I've been in, it's not normally you sit that way. Normally there's a platform where you kneel and you face the priest. Mm. But she's actually yeah. sitting on something facing the camera. True. It's terrible. I shouldn't. But it just reminds me of the Seinfeld episode where, I don't know, I can't remember why, but Jerry Seinfeld had to go into a confessional and he didn't mm -hmm. understand what was going on in there. So he sat on the part where you have to kneel. <laughs> and and it yeah. was just hilarious. You know, it was funny because he's Jewish. He didn't know, what do I do in here, you know? Yeah. <laughs> It great. just reminds me of that when she goes in there. But anyway, the other Funny, thing I but... thought of too, the priest, he must have heard all that commotion out there when he's clapping and they're having an argument. Yeah, he's trying to do confession and David's carrying on out there clapping and yelling. They're pretty yep. loud. But Maddie sits down and the priest starts asking her some questions. He goes, hello. And she goes, hello. She says hello <laughs> a lot. <laughs> And this is when she pours her heart out and starts talking about David. His life is one barroom brawl and she's more straight and narrow and he's rebel without a clue and referring yeah. to, you know, rebel without a cause, the movie. No rules, no discipline, no nothing. However, she feels that there yeah. is something inside him, a gyroscope or something. Yeah. Such a great way to describe him. Gyroscope. Yeah, yeah. It's a good way to describe him. Yeah, absolutely. This part is what gets me. She says, yeah. we have to stop beating each other up about it. Yeah. And she was still saying that, and Maddie Hayes got married. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Her view never changed. When are you going to learn? Yeah, that's true. You're right. Okay, this is such great insight. And this is like one of the first times we get insight to what Maddie thinks about David. I mean, I think this is such important information, you know. She sees him as reckless, right? One barroom brawl. These are not things that she sees as a partner, okay? But this is how she views him. This is what the insight we're getting, right? Rebel without a clue, you know? Yeah, <laughs> it's David. Exactly. But she's like, but there's something about him, you know, a gyroscope or something, like something really interesting and cool and like playful. And like, if you've ever looked up a gyroscope, she's like, but there's something, you know, great about him, I guess is what she's saying. But yeah, I don't know, like her thoughts here do kind of say, I don't see how it can work in a way. We have to stop beating each other up about it, you know, because that's what they're always arguing about, like all their differences. Yeah, it's some really good insight about her thoughts and feelings, isn't it? Yeah, it's great. It's great how she describes how his personality is. Mm -hmm. It's nice how she describes him. Yes. The priest doesn't answer, but she keeps talking. <laughs> you want to hear something crazy? <laughs> I feel better. I really do. Thank you, Father. Thanks for listening. snoring I yep. love it. <laughs> <laughs> poor maddie <laughs> the same thing happened again it's yeah. funny because everybody thinks she's boring by the sounds of it. So. yeah not interesting yeah well anyway again sybil just looks so cute like when she looks up and yeah there's so many moments um of the close-ups and everything really like lighting framed well looks gorgeous yeah really well done close up yes. and some Great feelings come out describing David. 
And then we get another set of feet out of the elevator, Grace. Yes, we're back at Blue Moon. More feet out of the elevator. So we have two for this episode. I know. And on the same day, she's in the same outfit and she walks into the dark office and she sees light under David's door. When she opens the door, it's kind of dark in there. But <laughs> mm. she's just wondering, I wonder if David's there or do you think she saw light? I don't know what we're supposed to think. She walks in, notices the light under David's door, so she thinks, oh, he's in there. Okay, so she goes in. But when she opens the door, it's super dark where that light should have been, you know? Just not as much light as they kind of showed coming out from under the door. Yeah, if you look. yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, oh, I see what you mean, yes. Okay, yeah. The light under the door doesn't match when she walks yeah. in. Yes, yes, because I'm looking at it now, and the light is coming from the window. You yeah. Know, when the camera's yeah. looking at Maddie, um, he's got mm-hmm. his lamp yeah. on, but there's yeah. just a small light flash on her and one on him. Yeah. yeah you're right. It doesn't match what she sees when she walks in. Correct. Yeah. Good okay. pickup. Oh, yeah. You know, we're getting good at this. Yep. And David's kind of just sitting there. Now, um, we can't see it, but I'm positive Sybil has her sneakers on, right? How she's walking in and how she moves her feet. But because yeah. of the desk, you can't really see it. You can't really see it. Yeah. But I mean, look at the lighting. I mean, gosh, Jerry Finnerman, the lighting, right? You know, to just illuminate her like white suit and his chest in a way. And everything else is just kind of like barely lit, you know, gosh, yeah. half of David's face is dark. So good. Yeah. Anyway, David left Maddie so angry. She was kind of like checking in to see if he's still mad. I like these lines too. Great. When I want you to say something, you won't. When I need you to say something, you don't. Because he's not responding, she thinks he's still angry with yeah. her, which he probably is, but that's not the reason he's sitting there. Yeah. And he just says... Yeah. Alicia Adamson just blew her head off with a shotgun. End scene. Yep. First of all, I'd like to know how he found out. That would have been nice. Possibly <laughs> Mr. Adamson contacted the priest, who in turn contacted David. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? That was a quick short scene. Yeah, I like that scene. I know a lot of setup and a lot of lighting, right, for uh, such a quick scene. But absolutely, yeah. yes. And now they're at the Adamsons, and it's raining. Grace, it's yeah. dark. Oh, here's another night scene. If this is really on location, yeah, I guess it would be. I don't know if they're on set or on location. Yeah, I was looking at it, and I thought this looks like they're actually in that house because I just go by the audio and the echo. Okay, I reckon that they're actually in that house. Okay. But appropriately, the scene begins with lightning and the husband answers the door and the water falling looks fake, though, at the front door where David stands. Yeah, I think it it probably is. But one thing I do like about that is um, I think David has an umbrella, but still the sleeve of his suit coat is wet. But Maddie isn't. So he must have had it on Maddie. (laughs) Yeah, which is cute. And it kind of seems authentic that part of them would be wet because it's raining so hard. Mm. Um, But the continuity on... The water on his jacket changes a little bit, by the way. It's from one clip to another. Sometimes it's yeah. more wet than others. Yeah, I suppose it's going to dry and then they do a scene again or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So Mr. Adamson explains that they took Alicia's body away a few minutes ago. So this is why I'm thinking David must have found out much later that she killed herself because there are no police or coroner staff around or anything. It's already gone. Yeah, it's already gone. So it must have happened that Hmm. morning or who knows anyway there's no blood to be seen on walls or anything yeah 
it's funny, you know, Richard Bamer does some great bad acting here to express how mournful he is <laughs> regarding his wife's death. He does some great bad <laughs> acting, you know what I mean? Because he has to make <laughs> he does it really well. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. Yeah, because he's not really all broken up about it. No, That's what you mean. But he's yes, doing a bit of a days of our lives by mm-hmm. not facing Maddie and David. Yeah, right. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. By the way, when David and Maddie walk in the door, the water is about like halfway down David's bicep. And then it's... It's like the wetness of his suit jacket down past the elbow. So keep an eye on that. But yes, Maddie and David seem very coupley in this scene. They kind of walk together, stick close together. And in a minute when she says, we better go upstairs or whatever, she like takes David's jacket and kind of tugs on it. Yes. I love that. Do you love that? Yes, I love that. (laughs) So cute. I I love that. Okay, I'm glad you noticed that too. I love that. We notice all the little things they do to each other, touch each other or yeah, pull each other around or, yeah, it's good. Yes. That just seems like such a little extra thing that Sybil did, right? Mm. We better go upstairs. Like, yeah, he's kind of rambling on and on and she kind of rubs her hand up and down on his jacket. Yes, very cute. Mr. Adamson tells Maddie and David that Father McDonovan is upstairs in Alicia's room now praying for her soul. So Mm. Maddie and David go up to the room and find the priest looking out the window and the rain falling down on the window. And I was looking at the full-length mirror thinking, oh, that might be the same one as Maddie's in Symphony, but it's not. (laughs) This one is is round and Maddie's was square. Okay. It's interesting here, the audio, because – the camera is outside the window. Yeah. And the priest right. is inside, yet the audio is from the inside. Okay. Did you notice the priest called her Alyssa, not Alicia? Oh, really? Yeah, he doesn't say Alicia. He says Alyssa. Oh, my God. That's a good pickup. It's That's very quick. Goof. It's very quick. When he says, Show me a picture of Alyssa. Beautiful, wasn't she? I thought, oh, who's Alyssa? <laughs> 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 Can I hear that real quick? Let me let me hear that. Show me a picture of Alyssa. Beautiful. Alyssa. God, he totally says it wrong. And by the way, Sybil's hair is so different now <laughs> from downstairs. It's like really kind of curly and poofy and like Oh, yeah, redone. it is too. Yeah, funny, huh? Alyssa. 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 
I saw a picture of a leaky. <laughs> oh my god. That's a good pickup, Grace. Mm-hmm. Love it. Calling the character the wrong name. Gotta love it. Okay. Terrible line. I never even saw her face. Now she doesn't have one. It's like gross. <laughs> Ew. Yeah. yeah. That's terrible. Yeah. yeah. Well, one thing that should have made the alarm bells go off would have been apparently if a woman commits suicide, a gun is not the weapon of choice, especially a shotgun. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's- they wouldn't do it to their face, put it that way. Yeah. Yeah, it's a pretty confronting comment that the priest said, which is, you know, well, it's true, I guess. So anyway, he feels yeah. really bad because she came to him for six months, week in and week out, and he tried to help her, but obviously not enough. They offer him a lift back to the rectory, but he wants to stay in her room for a while. I like how it's a sunken bedroom. Because when Maddie and David leave, and you know, the camera's yeah. outside the window, they step up. Yeah, kind of different. I've got a sunken lounge, but I don't have a sunken bedroom. <laughs> That'd be cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, it's a cool house. During the day, we'd have a lot of lights, a lot of big windows. Yes, lots of, oh, lots of light. We have a car scene, and David is thinking about his own mortality. He starts yeah. thinking <laughs> how he is closer to Maddie than anyone else around there as his family is on the East Coast. Mm-hmm. He would have to count on her to make sure he was cremated. He wants to go mm-hmm. out in a blaze of hydrocarbons instead of providing a cheap source of protein to the invertebrates of this world. Oh, my God. <laughs> invertebrates, they won't get any food. Do you know what invertebrate uh, is? It's an animal without a backbone. Ilk. I don't want to picture it. Yeah, uh, a lot of kind of, you know, I mean, not that they have to be serious about death, but yeah, some kind of callous remarks about death, right? She doesn't have a face and I want to go out in a blaze. Just kind of, I mean, it's David, so whatever. I mean, I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying they're a little bit light about a heavy subject, but you know, it's a comedy. It's a comedy, yeah. But Maddie doesn't want to talk about it, but you know, he says, well, it happens to us sooner or later. But you know what I do to keep from getting stressed about the inevitable? Think about the life force, the thing that denies death its due, the procreative act, the beast with two backs. And, of course, (laughs) only you could turn the subject of cremation into a come on. (laughs) I didn't do a come on, I know. She knows that's so funny. Shauna and I would love you to come and join our Moonlighting community. You can follow our Moonlighting the Podcast Facebook page. You can also follow us on Twitter at moon underscore podcast 85, as well as our YouTube channel. You can also join our Moonlighting the Podcast Facebook group where we talk about everything moonlighting. What could be better than that? Yeah, some more insight into David, right? Yes. I haven't heard that saying for a long time. A beast with two backs. A beast with two backs, yeah. Like it's a metaphor for two persons engaged in, you know, Yeah, I know. Sexual intercourse. He wants Maddie to do with him. (laughs) He likes to bring up the subject to talk about it with her. I'm such a wake up to him. It's not funny. Oh, I know. Yeah, and she knows that too. Only you could turn the subject of cremation into a come on. (laughs) Yep. Well, let's not think about that. Let's think about getting it on. That's right. Now that car scene, I believe. Don't tell me. It was done on the same day as... No, I think it's poor man's process, Grace. I'm not going to pretend I knew that before I watched the commentary or anything. You know, I learned it from them. But yeah, you can tell by the artificial lights passing by as if there's a car going past. 
And the rain. Yes, exactly. Yes, I do believe that was poor man's process on the set. I think they probably filmed <laughs> while we're on this. I, I, there is another scene. Two things were filmed on the same day. And I, we haven't gotten there yet. But that night scene earlier where, you know, uh, Sybil and Bruce drove in the car together to the house. They probably filmed that the same day. as That was probably all night stuff, right? And then later when they came in, um, it was night outside and they used that house. That was probably all like night stuff. Yeah, from her hair. You know what? I bet it was filmed on like, they probably just did another car scene on the set. Yeah, she's got the little flippy thing. I think Maddie's on to something. She has a hunch that something's not right. Things don't add up. Because Mr. Adamson said that the marriage was an empty, loveless prison, but why were they chasing each other around like newlyweds? Right. And then David goes, yeah. she want a one for the road? I know. <laughs> one for the road. That's terrible. Because she went to the same priest every week and talked about the same thing. So Maddie's onto it. She knows something's not right. And David goes, when you know, give me a holler. So he decides to have a nap in the car. Maddie's doing a lot of driving this episode, by the way. Yes, she is, isn't she? Okay. Grace. Now we're back at Blue Moon. David comes in. Love this scene. Agnes is typing away. I used to work on one of these typewriters back in the 80s. And I used to love it because it used to have the, the white out built in. So if you make a mistake... Yeah. You can click this button and this white would cover the letter. I, I know what you mean. Yes. Yeah, great. I used to love those typewriters. Anyway, mm -hmm. her hair is up. She's taken everything off the counter. Everything's gone. Yep. Then David enters yep. Blue Moon and top of the morning, Mr. Pesto. Bottom of the afternoon, Mr. Addison. Top of the morning, Mr. Pesto. Bottom of the afternoon, Mr. Addison. <laughs> In other words, <laughs> um, where have you been? It's the afternoon. Uh, really? Mm -hmm. And he goes, oh, so it is. I retyped your Rolodex, alphabetized your correspondence file. These need your signature and Miss Hayes needs to see you in her office ASAP. My, 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 we certainly are a busy worker bee this morning. And this is when he does the Stooges thing, shaking his head, when mm. Agnes says, As a matter of fact, I don't have enough work to fill my day. <laughs> She's on a mission. Cleared everything off the desk. She's typing away. She's been working hard. She's got her hair up. She looks fabulous. And she tells him that they need to trim a little fat around here. And she looks at Bert. And poor Bert looks up and realizes that she's talking about him. And look at his yeah. face. Poor Bert. I know. Poor Bert. I feel bad for him. Yeah. And like she's trying to get rid of Bert. I know. Yeah. It's nonsense, Mr. Pesto. Many hands make light work. You know what? I say that all the time, Shauna. Mm. Yes. All the time. I used to always say it to my kids, many hands make light work. Uh -huh. Anyway, he says, the more the merrier, three's company and 20's a group group as he walks away. But then it cuts to an angle we don't see too often from the front door of Blue Moon, where Agnes wants David to review the staffing analysis she's completed. Yeah. And um, she has listed all the employees, their job descriptions. And made some recommendations where we can cut back. And Bert, still looking over. Yeah. Poor Bert. Anyway, he's impressed. He looks at the paperwork and he says, okay, efficient, analytical. But then he goes to the door and says, I'll take it under advisement. So he's on to them too. He knows why she's taken this type of action. And then he opens Maddie's door. I really like this scene because, you know, obviously they're giving Elise and Curtis some scenes to do together. But it's clear that he's not there in most of the scene. Like Bert just looking up is just another cut. I really love, from now on, how Agnes looks. She looks beautiful in this episode. I love how they've done her hair and her makeup. 
her yep. outfit. She looks gorgeous. There's a lot of nice close-ups, especially the close-up later when she picks up the rose. I know. Everyone's leveled up in season three. Yep. It goes in and he says something to Maddie about Mr. Pesto. <laughs> you know, what does he say about Mr. Pesto? He said, hey, Maddie, who whacked Mr. Pesto in the head? The right hemisphere of her brain is finally working. <laughs> exactly. Okay. And he turns around and Maddie's got a rifle that he's pointing out at him. Okay, now, Grace, you know how in the series you have a particular favorite outfit of Maddie's, which is the gray one with the stripes, yes. right? Well, this in particular is my, I know I'm very high on Maddie in this episode, by the way. <laughs> there, I'm very extra about Maddie um, in this extra in this episode, but I love this mauve outfit. This is my favorite. This is the equal to your gray outfit. This is the one that I just love Sybil in this outfit. I love his color. We never yes. see this. We never see that, right? With the uh, jacket and the, yeah, I just love it. The texture almost looks velvety. I don't know. I just really love this particular outfit. Like you love that gray one in, uh, what is that gray one that you love? Was that in uh, Brother? No. Sun also rises. Yeah. It's unfortunate you don't see the outfit a lot. You can't see the full, you can see, you know, the mauve, the jacket, the coat. It's long, so you don't know whether she's wearing a skirt and top. Yeah, it's kind of a silky top, so I think it is kind of a, it's all, yeah, like you say, mauve, mauve. You say mauve, we say mauve. Oh, no, no, it's a skirt and top. It's like a satin shirt. She's wearing it in the next scene when they visit the priest again. She's kind of got the coat closed. It would have been nice to see it without the coat on. I know. Yeah, I'd like to see what the uh, the skirt looks like. And got the shoulder pads, yet another clutch. Anyway, her whole point is that try putting this in your mouth and pulling the trigger. And then he's like, aren't you going to make me dig my own grave first? Um, but doesn't he say something about like that therapy is not working or something like that? Yeah, he says that later. Oh, okay. said, glad to hear it. The shrink must be doing a good job when she says, I can't pull the trigger. I can't pull the trigger. That's right. Okay, that's what he says. So she hands him the gun and she's like, could you do it? And he's like, yeah, if I want to ruin some incredibly good bone structure. (laughs) Hey, Maddie, who whacked the pesto on the head? The right hemisphere of the brain's finally working. Put this gun in your mouth and pull the trigger. Aren't you going to make me dig my own grave first? Look, if this is about that 20 bucks I owe you, I'll get it to you Saturday. David, just do it. This is the same kind of gun that killed Alicia Adamson. Can you put the barrel in your mouth and still reach the trigger? Well, I wanted to ruin a perfectly good shirt, not to mention some incredible bone structure, yeah. And anyway, the whole point is, if Maddie couldn't do it, Mrs. Adamson couldn't do it. And that means somebody else pulled the trigger. So anyway, the plot thickens, right? With the um, the whole revelation of she was she would not be able. I mean, what a weird weapon anyway, like you said. I mean, that wouldn't be a, a woman's weapon of choice to take a shotgun and, and blow her brains out. And yeah, mm. she couldn't reach. She couldn't have done it. Somebody else pulled the trigger. I like and, the beginning of this scene, how he turns around and you don't see Maddie yet. All you hear is her cocking the gun. Yeah. And then you and see her like, pointing it at him. No, it's a good scene. It's a quick scene, but it explains straight away that she didn't kill herself and somebody else did. But you're right. That outfit is lovely. Very nice. Yeah. I haven't really taken much notice of it before. Yeah, I love that. But you never see it again. Never see it before. Never see it again. You wonder why some outfits come back around and some don't, you know? Sybil probably had favorites. Yeah, maybe. I mean, it's a quick little scene, nice little scene, but it moves the plot point along, which is probably the whole point of it. Yeah. 
And then we're back with the priest in the rectory. Maddie and David have now told him the truth that she was actually murdered. Maddie asks him if she had any enemies or anyone having a score to settle. But, of course, he tells them that even if she did tell him stuff that he wouldn't be able to tell them. Which she kind of sees as a good thing in a way because taking your own life would be worse and she might go to hell for that. But now I believe this scene, I'm sure of it. I mean, it had to have been filmed on the same day as the one where Bruce is really angry and the priest was trying to pay them. So if you see Sybil and Bruce standing in the doorway, now they're standing opposite, right? Bruce was on the left before and Sybil was on the right. And now they're, you know what I mean? Now Sybil's on the left and Bruce is on the right. Different clothes. The priest is sitting on the bed, different clothes. But definitely filmed on the same day. You know, they just stand in different positions with different clothes and they've got to film all the scenes at once. And I look at Sybil's hair. Are you saying her hair is the same? Yeah. But they just, yeah, different clothes, different positions in the room. The priest wants a lift over to the Adamsons to tell the husband the good news. And Maddie says murder is good news. But what he means is that he thinks the idea of that his wife did not die by her own hand will be a tremendous comfort. Yeah. And David yes. ends the scene by saying, Kind of makes you want to put a lampshade on your head and party. <laughs> and he, and he yeah. shuts the door. <laughs> yeah, what great news. Yeah, she was murdered. Woohoo. So we're back at the Adamson's home with some more bad, good, bad acting from <laughs> Richard Bamer. <laughs> yep, yep. And bad acting. Seeming surprised about his wife's murder and he's trying to find out what they actually know, if they know anything. And the priest believes that maybe she was interrupted by a burglar. Maddie goes, well, we need to call the police right away. Of course, David starts to go upstairs because he wants to see the scene of the crime to see if it's been disturbed or not because they would need to dust for prints and ballistics and all that sort of stuff. And yeah. you can see the husband's trying to stop them from going up the stairs. And David yeah. happens to walk into the right room with all those mm. rooms in that palazzo. Um, <laughs> they find the woman they saw through the binoculars. So the Mm -hmm. husband introduces her as Janine Dalton, a close friend. Um, Mm -hmm. And (laughs) I love David's reaction, you know. Almost didn't recognize you. You look a lot different with your clothes on. (laughs) I know. (laughs) But Maddie's in shock when she walks in because she's like, hang on, what are you doing here? You're supposed to be. Wearing a toe tag right about now. And then Maddie, which is appropriate, she looks at the priest. In other words, um, do you know who this is? And then the woman looks at him and says, It's me, Father. Forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. Mm-hmm. It's over, Ray. It's over. But the poor priest, he's so funny. He's so funny in this scene because he's got no idea. He doesn't understand what's happened. He's just totally confused. If you're alive, then who's dead? So Maddie explains that the real Mrs. Adamson is dead, who she thinks is safe to assume never went to confession, right? But now Mm -hmm. he's really confused. So David goes, listen, they're using you. They were trying to make you believe that Mrs. Adamson was capable of killing herself. And he goes, why? Every time they say something, he goes, why? (laughs) He just doesn't get it. (laughs) I love how Maddie blocks the husband's way. Mm -hmm. So you could go to the police and tell them it was suicide. Because she could sense that he was trying to get out. You could tell that the husband's turning left and then he's turning right. And you can tell he's trying to work out a way to get out of the room. It's really funny. (laughs) I know. Maddie and David are doing their best to block him in. 
it's all about the insurance policy and obviously suicide is not included in, in a uh, insurance policy. So mm. everybody trusts the priest, right? And the husband goes, right, and he grabs David and pulls him over and he lands on Maddie. Great attitude, wrong position. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. I like the spiral staircase in that room. Now, what's a big spiral staircase doing in a bedroom? I know, kind of a, a crazy house. But did you hear um, as David is going up the stairs, which I think is probably Bruce because he probably had yep. to run up the stairs. Yep. He goes, I hate this staircase. Yeah, I hate stairs, yeah. <laughs> Oh, but he go, yeah, he goes up, follows him, and but the husband pushes them back down. Yeah, goes yeah. up, follows him, can't see him. It's pouring rain on the balcony, and the husband comes out of the darkness and tries to push David off the balcony, but unfortunately, goes over the balcony himself. Mm-hmm. And appropriately, it's raining and thunder. Shauna, how good's that? Yeah. Hey, did we mention um, the second time Maddie and David land on each other? And he says, we got to get one of those illustrated manuals. An illustrated manual. Sorry, yeah. I missed that. <laughs> I forgot to put that down. And There's just so much going on. I can't write everything. No, I know. So David and the husband have a big punch on. Uh, he grabs oh. him back over the balcony. Kind of like in Next Murder You Hear. Yes, exactly like Next Murder You Hear. They have a punch on and then David pushes him towards the TV antenna. And Mr. Adamson mm. has a brainwave, or I should say a light bulb moment, and he grabs it mm. and um, thinks, oh, this is a good weapon. But it backfires on him because he gets a jolt of lightning from above. Well, it's funny because David says, Father, you got any influence upstairs? Now's the time. Father, if you have any influence upstairs, now is the time. And yeah. just as Mr. Adamson is about to get David with the antenna, he gets struck by lightning and there's a great wide shot of the house too when that happens. But it's funny because yeah. Maddie, the priest, and the woman just stay in the doorway, not helping. And aren't they like, be careful, you know. Maddie's just making noises. Oh, oh. Yeah. <laughs> what? The girlfriend doesn't seem very upset that the boyfriend just got electrocuted. <laughs> That's true. By the way, uh, this woman, isn't she lovely? She's got lovely big brown eyes. Yeah. That's Jessica okay. Harper. And she was known for Phantom of the Paradise in 74, Suspiria in 77, and Shock Treatment in 1981. And if you're a Tom Cruise fan, you'll know her from Minority Report in 2002. She played Anne Lively. So that's Jessica Harper. Okay. And then they all say, nice shot, nice shot. Nice shot! Nice shot. Nice shot. Yeah, and it ends with the same music that was at the beginning of the episode. All creatures of our God and King. Mm, Right. The only thing that I find strange about the scene inside when it first starts where the husband pushes David, when it all starts happening, it's sort of like... An internal car chase, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's no music. Yeah. True. I found that interesting why they didn't choose some music, but maybe because it was a religious theme, they probably thought to leave it out. Yeah, they just kind of have him chase, you're right, because usually um, like it goes, start the chase music, boys. Yeah, exactly. That's true. Don't know. I have to ask Alf Clausen. They probably thought it was best just to leave it out. But it was just weird how... He pushes David, then he goes down, and then they go up the stairs. You can hear the movements of them falling down, and it's unusual because normally the music is overlaying that. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Right? Okay. 
And the guy's gone and case, I guess, problem solved. Case resolved itself. And yet another episode with a man being electrocuted. Yes, that's true. Mm. It's happened before. Definitely in uh, Next Murder You Here. Mm-hmm. And another spouse as a louse. Spouse as a louse. Mm. <laughs> I was trying to get rid of those spouses. Yeah, in some creative way and then have insurance pay for it, you know. Mm. <laughs> They're back in Blue Moon with the priest and the priest is thanking them and he has plans not to go back to the priesthood. He doesn't know whether to thank them or beg them for forgiveness. David Evolve. says, all's well that ends well. Hey, Padre. <laughs> Padre again. Oh, my gosh. He's adamant that he's going to leave the priesthood and he doesn't know which road he's going to take, but, you know, he'll get there. Life is a wonderful Mm -hmm. gift and God bless you both and he walks out. And, of course, we have the master shot with all three of them in it, but Mm. the shot from behind, Maddie's double, has about the worst wig. (laughs) It's terrible. doesn't look like Maddie's hair at all. Overly blonde and, yeah, it's not like full like hers, you know. Yeah, yeah, I did notice that, yes. The curls are completely different and Maddie's hair's soft flowing, whereas this person's, yeah, no, nah, it's all wrong <laughs> from behind. But that's okay. Anyway, he leaves and Maddie and David kind of wonder what will happen to him. <laughs> and David kind of, <laughs> nah, he'll die a lonely broken man, you know, in some seedy hotel or... Turn to the bottle for comfort. It'll turn on him and he'll die a lonely broken man in some seedy hotel someplace. Or <laughs> we don't know about the or because Mr. Pesto, they need to talk to Mr. Pesto. Mom and dad need to see their little girl. Come talk to mom and dad. Agnes walks in, but she leaves the door open. And Maddie wants to talk to her about the job analysis because she recommended the elimination of one job. And Agnes says, Yes, but I think I'm the one who should leave. Now, David's pretty shocked by this. He says, Well, aren't you happy here? She says she is, but Maddie wants to know why she wants to leave. And Agnes says yeah. she doesn't want to, but she feels like she ought to because of the circumstance. Circumstance? <laughs> That's the best line. David says. The circumstance wouldn't be bigger than a violin, but smaller than a cello, would it? <laughs> I love that line. That is so good. <laughs> I love it. Agnes is really agonizing over this. They're very short scenes, but she's finding every witchy way to like either get rid of him or she'll leave. She can't yeah. somehow stay in the office together. Hey, Maddie and David managed to do it. But Agnes doesn't want to talk about it. So anyway, Maddie's reviewed the report and believes that the size of the staff needs no adjustment. It's funny how Maddie says, Agnes, I depend on you. Kind of. Mr. Addison depends on you. Sort of. The entire staff looks up to you. A lot. And while she's saying this, Agnes's face is loving these compliments. Yeah. This is where her and Bert are the same. Um, oh, yeah. The twinkle in her eyes, you know, and she's the expressions on her face. I just love it when she responds to what they say to her. You mm. think so? You're a leader, Agnes. Leaders don't bail out. Every time there's an emotional squall. They don't. Oh, they trim their sails. They batten down their hatches. They bop till they drop. And Agnes says, well, blow me down. <laughs> i just love her as we've always said david has always looked out for agnes and we need you agnes and he gives her a little kiss and the best line in the whole episode comes now and do you know what it is shauna uh when they say why do we do that no before that (laughs) 
What did they say? Because David says, we need you, Agnes, and he gives her a kiss, and she uh-huh. says... Yeah, you do, Mr. Addison, don't you? <laughs> Aww. That says a lot. She's like, yeah, yes, mate, you need me. You need me. Well, they um, do. They do, yeah. and he needs her because she's been the meat and the sandwich through all this. Yep. So she you needs to be there. So, yeah. Yeah, you do, Mr. Addison, don't you? I just love that line because those seven words just say it all. Yeah. Love it. So there's that underlying little thing going on between them that she looks out for him. And she salutes him because, you know, he was talking about sails and batting down the hatches. And (laughs) so that's where I think, you know what? In other words, Agnes is the captain of the ship out there. It's true. And she walks out a very happy girl. And that's when Maddie and David turn to each other and say, Why do we do that? You know why? Because you guys love her. That's why. She's helped them out a lot over the years, you know. Oh, yeah. I mean, she's the glue, right? She sure is. Go between. She's she's everything. Yeah, she keeps that front office. Yeah, she's ahead of the wobbly. She's everything. Now, the outer office. I'm going to do a Shauna now. Yeah. Because... When Agnes goes out to her desk and she finds a red rose lying there, it's a different day because her hair's different. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's so funny. I love this scene. She's all by herself and she walks over to her desk. The look on her face when she sees the rose and she looks over to Bert's desk lovingly. She looks absolutely gorgeous in this scene. I love her. Yes. Her overall look in this scene is just fabulous. Love it. I think she's got a different outfit on too. Yes. Yeah, she does. Like a different pin on her scarf. Anyway, you're right. Different day. And not only that, if you have a look, her scarf has fallen down from the Mm -hmm. previous cut. So she walks out of their office and she's talking to David and the scarf is around her neck, lower neck. But then she walks out of her office And the scarf's all the way down. Yeah. (laughs) So the whole thing is definitely a different day because it's it's all the way down. I just love it. She's just so beautiful. I love Elise. Very cute. And she got a little rose. I mean, how cute is that? I know. She really goes in and smells it too. Yeah. And my gosh, we're not done yet, are we? I mean, you can see the script must have been so long. Like they've already done so much and so much dialogue and gone to so many different locations and everything and... You think that little thing with Elise and Curtis and the Rose or whatever would be the end. But no, still got another scene Mm. and tag with Maddie and David. Yep. Which is good. We always like to end with them too. Oh, yeah. Well, I guess it's the running joke of like her spilling her guts and someone falling asleep on her. David could have been hearing what she was saying. Hello. Oh, no. It's always the way, isn't it? Yeah. I don't like the angle because she looks pregnant because the way her jacket is sitting on her, she should have flattened it. Yeah. Every time I see this scene, I think, oh, she looks huge, but she isn't. It's yeah. the way the jacket is sitting. She's yeah, pouring her heart out to David, saying she doesn't have anyone out here either, and they spend more time together than anyone else. Duh. Um, <laughs> she hopes that he knows that he would be the person she would turn to if push came to shove. I know something else you won't believe. I went to confession. I did. He told me to give it a try and I... And she couldn't finish her sentence because she hears him snoring. Mm. 
Mm, gosh, David. Right. Fine. Great. All of you go to hell. And she leaves <laughs> and slams the door. <laughs> <laughs> Another door slam. He's obviously not there. That would have been somebody else on the couch. But I mean, there's a cut of him snoring, yes. but obviously it's <laughs> at a different time. My goodness, Shauna, she finally pours out her heart and confesses stuff in this episode, and nobody is listening. Everybody's sleeping. Um, yeah, everyone's sleeping on her. Damn it. I wonder what they were talking about before he fell asleep because they were obviously in there. He was laying there and she was looking out the window. They were talking about something. Yeah, that, that's true. Yes, I would have liked to have seen the previous scene. <laughs> between the lines. What's between the lines? That's where fan fiction comes in. Absolutely. <laughs> I agree with you. I don't like the angle either. <laughs> but, yeah, I agree. That just kind of like put a button on everything that had happened to her with the therapist and then the priest and now David. Like everyone's falling asleep on her is just kind of an end joke. Just a nice tie end and zipped up the episode nicely. She had another wonderful episode filled with David making use of his telescope, a priest with conflicting emotions, a detailed discussion about religion, Agnes and Bert's not yet flourishing romance, another watered down street for Shauna, great car scene dialogue, David dips his sunglasses, some beautiful locations, Agnes gets serious about her receptionist role, a great choice of guest star in Richard Bamer. Another murderous husband. Maddie gets a shotgun. Maddie goes to confession. Another murder solved by Maddie. And another murderer killed by electrocution. So, yeah, I, I like this episode. It's a, it's a wonderful episode having heart-filled discussions for and against religion. Agnes and Bert, great guest stars, great locations, and a nice plot twist. It's just a really solid episode. Yeah, insight into their characters, you know, more revelations. Again, it's not one that always stands out because, yeah, I don't know what nothing major happens with their relationship or something. I don't know what it is about the episode that it wouldn't stand out as much as others because it's just solid. It's really good. Yeah, I think you're but, right. I think it's because it, there's no continuation with their relationship. It's mainly a case and a, a deep, as I said, a D&M. A D&M. So <laughs> D there's something you. new for you. See, I teach you something new, something new every episode. So do you actually. Yeah, I teach you something yeah. Australian and you teach me something American. Yes. Anyway, so is this in your top 10, Shauna? No, it's not. No, nope, I like it. Again, kind of like you were saying, I think about Symphony or something like, you know, after looking at it under a microscope, it could be, but it's not. There's lots of things I love about it, but not in my top 10. How about you? In your top 10, Grace? No, no, it's not in my top 10. I quite like watching this episode, but... um this one is unfortunately not in my top 10. Okay. So how many outfit changes did you get? Because I was a bit confused because she was putting jackets on and taking them off and it was the same outfit. So I don't really like to count that as the same outfit. Can we go through it together? Okay. Well, I've got the apricot dress to start with. Yes. And then I've got at the palazzo, she's got the same dress, but with, with a jacket. So I don't really want to count that. Well... I know it's hard because see, she wears that raincoat twice in this episode with different things, but I think we have to count it once at least. I'm going to say two. Okay. okay. Then the white dress and jacket. Three. The mauve suit when she has a shotgun. And then the same suit, but with a white coat on it afterwards. Right. But we've already counted that raincoat. So no. That's right. And then the, the uh, teal greenish mint, whatever at the end. So five. Yep, we'll make that five. Okay. All right. right. How many door slams did you get? 
Uh, let's see. Was it three? Well, she slams into David's office and she slammed her way out. Um, was there a door slam in the middle? <laughs> I think it's two. I think it's one in the beginning, one in the end. Yeah, just Maddie enters and slams the door when he's looking at through the telescope and then right at the yeah. end when he's snoring. That's all I've got. Yep. we got two feet out of the elevator. No Agnes rhymes, but we have a singing Bruce, which is good. Um, girl, watch out, that's right. And the music featured with um, All Creatures of Our God and King. All right, mm-hmm. so let's look at the moonlighting stats so far. So far we have 18 feet out of the elevator. We have 10 singing Bruces. Agnes Rhymes, we have 18. And the outfit changes, we have a total of 170, Shauna. Drum roll, please, David. Dun, 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 dun. The total amount of door slams are 118. 118? Oh, my gosh. So many door slams. No wonder they had to fix those doors at the end of the season. That's right. (laughs) It's now time for Moonlight Mail. So, yes, as detailed as we try to be, Grace, and we really do look with a fine-tooth comb and try to remember everything, we do forget things (laughs) here and there. And our lovely viewers are always letting us know when we have made a little mistake. Mm -hmm. So... Do you remember in Symphony and Knocked Flat when um, David and Maddie went back to her house to look for her purse? Yep. And they made their way up to her bedroom. And I believe at that point, you and I commented that maybe this was the first time David had been up in Maddie's room. But we were mistaken. Do you remember when he may have been up there before? Yes, the Moonies have reminded us of that. So, yeah. Yeah. So we've had a few people write, for example, April over Instagram said, hi, ladies, loving your podcast on one recent one, Symphony and Knocked Flat, part three. You mentioned this could be the first time that David has entered Maddie's bedroom. It is not. The first time was in witness for the execution when David is on the run as a suspect. He enters during the rainy night and muffled her surprise with his sweet monologue of beans. (laughs) Yeah. Stay great. Great. And that episode was their first kiss. Yes. We have covered it. We do know, of course, that David had been up there before, but we just forgot in the moment. I don't know why neither of us remembered it, but yeah. Yeah, I I just think like when you put on the spot, you sort of think, oh, you don't quite remember or you'd have to sit down and yeah, I don't, I don't know why it just completely slipped our minds that he'd been up there. So anyway, that's okay. Usually one of us will remember, but in this case, both of us were just like, yeah, maybe that was. I think maybe in the context of like Maddie bringing him up there or something like that, like, okay, in witness, he made his way up there and, you know, woke her up a couple of times and all that stuff. Yes, uh, absolutely. hundred percent. Yeah. I think I was just thinking like, oh, Maddie, you know, it was the first time Maddie kind of like brought him up to um, her room or something. I don't know. Yeah. Didn't register in the moment, but thanks everyone for reminding us. And we will try to remember all the details in the future. Right, Grace? Yes. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of details to remember. So if we slip up, let us know. That's fine. Yeah. We got three or four emails um, and messages about that. So yeah, definitely a good catch on our listeners part. Absolutely. Let us know when we slip up to correct ourselves. That was not the first time David was up in Maddie's bedroom. Mm-hmm. Witness for the execution would have been the first time for sure. So yeah, thanks. An email from Danielle regarding the man who cried wife. I know you already recorded it, but for fun, the slap scene is a little more dark and I think sexy. 
There's a whole plot line about Maddie taking detective classes and David doesn't think she has to. No kisses at the end. It's a totally different tag about her continuing education. Hmm. And she's given us copies of the script here. Yeah, thanks for that, Danielle. That's interesting. That was a script difference in The Man Who Cried Wife. Yes. Tell us a bit about our next episode. Well, Grace, our next episode, season three, episode six, is one of the most popular, the biggest episodes they had done in season three, um, and probably the biggest episode since Dream Sequence. It's Big Man on Mulberry Street. I love this episode. There was a lot of work, a lot of things done behind the scenes for this episode. They had an extra week to work on the dance sequence and everything, so really looking forward to talking about Big Man on Mulberry Street. That is peak moonlighting, you know, speaking of peak, <laughs> peak Sybil, peak Bruce and all of that, peak moonlighting. Oh, you yeah. Know? And a great dance yeah. sequence, which is great. Yeah, directed by Stanley Donnan and a lot of people's favorite episode. A lot of people are very memorable, you know, besides Dream Sequence or Atomic Shakespeare, people remember Big Man. Very special guest in mm-hmm. Sandal Bergman, who was a fabulous dancer. We'll talk about that next yeah. week, Shauna. Yes, sounds great. See you then, Grace. Bye, Moody. Bye. Well, until next time, I'm Grace. And I'm Shauna. Thank Thank you you for for listening listening to Moonlighting the Podcast. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.